Hey, this is your host, Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is it's just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. The, the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world, of the world within. And so, you see, the man who is going by the external world, by the influences of the external world, say, society or perceptions, sense perceptions, thinks that he, he is more valid. Don't relate yourself to any person, anything, any idea. Thank you so much for being here for today's episode. I'm really excited to kind of dig into this topic. So what I'm going to be talking about today is how to create enriching relationships. And the reason I find this topic important is because we are often looking for relationships that meet a checklist. But those relationships once that checklist is met, doesn't really mean that we're enriched and fulfilled through that connection, through that relationship. And so I find a lot of people developing these checklists based off of relationship content they see online, based off of polarity teachings they hear online, and they follow the checklist, but yet they feel empty. They feel unattracted to the person later on. They feel dissatisfied and disappointed. And I want to speak to why that happens, but I want to also provide maybe some insight into how to actually create enriching relationships, enriching love that actually deeply empowers you as a person to step more into yourself, step more into your true nature, your calling, whatever that may be for you. So let's just dive right in so what i see right now a lot online is that because of these social apps we are all bombarded with an infinite amount of data and information and a lot of that information is around relationships around the life you can have the life you should be living the life you could be living And all of this creates a series of possibilities, expanded awareness, and often new ways of relating that we didn't even know were possible. And there's a positive to that, right? And there's this other side to it where we just are developing checklists based on other people's experiences, based on other people's ideas or projections of what a relationship is, what polarity is about, what a loving relationship looks like. We're all just developing a checklist based on somebody else's experience. And so we use that checklist to vet potential partners, to see if we need to end a relationship, see if we need to walk away from a situation we're in. And that is not the way that I see humans collectively 
coming into a space of empowerment. Because through that process, you are not the authority. You've abandoned the power of you being your own source of authority in your life. By placing that power on whoever you follow online, whoever you think understands it, whoever you think gets it, whoever you think is in that great relationship that you want, they're now the authority. And so we're outsourcing the vital work of discovering what is our embodied truth. What does genuine intimacy and connection look like for us? And how do we go about creating that? How do we go about navigating that within this modern day world? We lose sight of the fact that we still have to determine that for ourselves. And so we develop this checklist of healthy or unhealthy based on other people's opinions. So this is constantly how we've been giving our power away through these social apps. Because what we're all defining as healthy is based off of a collective agreement from relationship coaches to uh, guides, gurus, whoever it is, institutions, all of them are determining what healthy is for us. And then the unhealthy, again, we're left to kind of decide based off of what is collectively agreed upon. And there are certain things that must be collectively agreed upon, like physical abuse, like psychological or emotional abuse. And those things we have to, and sexual abuse, we have to agree like this is not okay, right? But now we're talking about when those unhealthy and healthy red flag or green flag, those lines get blurry because they're mixed with your stories, they're mixed with your anxieties, they're mixed with the complexities of your relationship and the role you're playing in the cycle. Like we're talking about that space right there where it's not so black and white, where it's not easy to look at and say, oh, you're bad, oh, this is good, where you can't split. You have to actually get very, very clear you actually have to get very honest with yourself. And it's not an easy route out by saying, oh, this is bad, or this is toxic, or this person is not healthy, or this person is unsafe. <laughs> the real relationships don't function like that. People that are have broken through this very toxic cycle of dating people that are extremely abusive and toxic, they are struggling to discover what do I do here? What does the situation look like? Because these rules that I've been following, I can't really apply here because there's so many intricacies. There's so many complexities that make up what's happening right now. And some of those, I don't have the understanding to actually navigate. I don't have the skills to actually, you know, overcome what's happening right now. And so we rely on social media. That's when we become very, very codependent with social media because we're like, I don't know the answers to this and I don't know how to figure it out. So I have to rely on social media to tell me this guru, this guy's coach, this women's coach, whoever it is, I have to rely on them to help me get out of this situation, to help me figure out what's going on in my relationship. And again, we're losing our capacity to recognize we are the authority. 
We are the authority. And so through that, we're also losing and diminishing self-trust. We're diminishing our self-confidence in ourselves to take care of ourselves, to navigate challenges uh, with ourselves and with the person we're with. And so that brings me to these conversations that are happening online that are very diluted, like very, very diluted. Like these conversations around what you need to be doing in your relationship, what should be happening in your relationship. And so these shoulds are the very thing that are causing us the anxiety once we get into these relationships that feel seemingly healthy and seemingly safe, right? And most times they are, but it's the shoulds. It's the shoulds that we've established maybe through our period of being single or maybe through the course of being in that relationship we've established new shoulds and where shoulds exist is where shame is fostered and cultivated so now i'm following a checklist of what should happen and what shouldn't happen right again outside of the non-negotiables like abuse and domestic violence and sexual abuse right outside of that i've created a new set of non-negotiables and for most people those non-negotiables are not actually creating enriching and fulfilling relationships. They're not leading to the type of enrichment that they think is waiting on the other side for them. Like you look at a person and you're like, well, this person should, you know, cook and clean for me all of the time while I go home and work and do all of this. Or this person should cover all of the bills in the house and I should never have to work a day in my life again. These are shoulds that are established through cultural accepted narratives that we just buy into. But again, reality doesn't work like that. It's not that black and white, right? But when we buy into them, we now have this capacity to not only shame our partners, but also shame ourselves for not being in the dynamic where those things are taking place. Right? So now we're internalizing the shame that it isn't even ours to carry in the first place. So now I'm shaming this person for not cooking and cleaning or shaming this person for not covering my bills. Right? But is this actually creating enriching relationships is the question. Now where people often get tripped up is now you're in these spaces where polarity is being taught. And you're like, well, I need to be the masculine or I need to be in my feminine. And it's surface level discourse on polarity. This is all surface level. And this is what happens when things get mainstream is the essence of it becomes diluted and you can no longer extract the depth and the potency behind the teaching itself because it's mainstream. So you get to actually just only experience the surface level understanding that everyone else is being dished out. This is the same thing that happens with herbs. It's the same things that happens with rituals, mantras, even certain practices like yoga or ayahuasca or even the use of sage and palo santo. All of these things are diluted. Nobody understands the potency and depth of actually saging the body anymore or actually saging the home. Like it was never meant to be used in the way we're using it now. Oh my God, I feel some on some weird energy in the house. Let me go sage it. It's like sage was never, that was never how sage was used before in the ancient world. But again, it's diluted. 
yoga was never about making cool poses and posting on Instagram because you can do all these moves or you can bend your body in a certain way. So you can start up a class or a membership or whatever it is. Yoga was never about that. Yoga was an ancient form of technology that was used to tap into different states of consciousness. Like people aren't tapping into different states of consciousness using yoga. They're not. So again, all of these things become diluted and we're experiencing it at the surface level. So again, people are experiencing yoga at the surface level. People are working with sage at the surface level. People are even working with ayahuasca at the surface level. Why? Because it's gone mainstream. And so when things go mainstream, we lose touch with its essence. So now when we're talking about polarity, we've lost touch with this essence. And now we're enforcing it in our relationships, thinking that we're actually in touch with its essence. And so when we do that, we don't actually really experience the benefits of actually following a teaching that is not actually a teaching. It is just a cosmic law. Polarity is a cosmic law. It's not a teaching. There are polarities that exist within the world. There is the sun and the moon. That is polarity. There is the masculine and the feminine. That is the polarity. You cannot go against cosmic laws. These just exist. So when we react and respond to the light of the sun, we understand that we're experiencing the father, the holy father, the radiant father, the masculine presence of the sun. It's a penetrative presence. And so we're in relation to the moonlight, and it's a full moon, and we see the shifts, the crescent, the first quarter, all the way to the new moon, we understand that we're relating to something very feminine, right? And so we relate and respond to the moon very differently than we do to the sun. This is polarity. This is it right here. Nobody tries to compare the sun to the moon. Nobody tries to tell the sun you need to shine like the moon. Nobody tries to tell the sun you need to have cycles and phases like the moon. Nobody looks at the moon and tells her you need to shine during the day. Like we honor and respect the beautiful intricacies and complexities that make up the sun. And we honor the beautiful radiance that makes up the moon. Neither one are compared to each other. Both are revered as sacred. Both are revered as beautiful. And both are huge contributions to humanity, to life, and to our planet. We understand that. So polarity is about bringing that awareness, that knowledge into our intimate lives. That's really what it comes down to. Now where most people get lost is in the nuance. Because like I'm saying, the sun is a masculine force. But you see within the sun, the light that radiates and touches you is entirely feminine. The light that you can't see that emanates from the sun is entirely feminine. So this is how these energies work in tandem. The visible light you see from the sun is masculine. But the light, the warmth of that is not visible. That is feminine. 
So this is how these energies work in tandem. Though we have a physical body like the sun radiating a masculine presence, but inside, within its expression, we find both masculine and feminine. This is the nuance. This is the nuance that's so missed in these teachings, is that both are existing at all times, but it takes on a dominant body. It takes on a dominant form. So the light you feel from a candle, the invisible warmth that you feel touching your hand, radiating the room, uh, scenting the room, in fragrance of vanilla, amber, frankincense, or myrrh, that is entirely feminine. But the candle that you see sitting before you, that light emanating from that candle, that you see dancing, moving about, that is its masculine form. And so we have to, if we're trying to integrate these teachings into our relationship, we have to understand the delicacies and the intricacies that actually make up these energies. And so when we understand that, we're not trying to conform people to be one thing. We're not trying to reduce our partners to maids or to machines or to ATMs. We're understanding that there is a completely beautiful tapestry of intricate threads that make up who this person is. And I can be curious about that. I can be open to discuss how this person wishes to express that in our relationship, how they wish to discover and reveal more of that to me and to the world. That is how we create enriching relationships. Because this is the thing, as I was saying before, with all of this social media content and bombarded with all of this information about what's right, what's wrong, what's healthy, what's toxic, like all of this creates a checklist. We develop a checklist and then we show up to relationships following this checklist, looking down, taking off things and being like, okay, this person follows that check on to the next thing. Right. And it's like developing this checklist looking for this partner who can cook, who can clean, who can pay the bills, who can tick off all of our boxes, right? Is what we've been told matters in a relationship. Is what we're told matters when you're trying to create polarity. And this is the thing, there's comfort in that, right? In having somebody meet these tangible things. There's a reassurance of care, support, and security. But a truly fulfilling relationship isn't built on foundations of roles, characters, chores that are fulfilled and completed or bills that are constantly paid. It's not about finding somebody that serves as a comfort blanket, like that protects you from the world's rough edges. So you don't have to experiencing anything tough again in your life so that you don't have to do any more work in your life. You don't have to learn how to cook yourself as a man. You don't have to learn how to clean the house. You don't have to learn how to go into the world and make a profitable business. You don't have to do anything difficult anymore. Like, it's not where relationships are about. Like, that's not what a foundation of an empowering, fulfilling, and enriching relationship is built on. When you're in an enriching relationship, you have somebody that literally sparks a fire inside your heart 
literally awakens something in you that you didn't even know was dormant. Someone who is so fucking curious about the intricacies of your mind, of your desires, of your dreams, your feelings, and your fears. Like that is somebody that is going to enrich your life. Being with somebody who craves understanding all of the things that make up who you are. That is so fucking curious about just getting to know you. That just wants to spend time understanding like, how did you get to this point? Where do you want to go? What are your shadows? Like, how can I love you in these shadows? How can I love you in these differences? Somebody that's so eager to grow with you, to evolve with you through life. And when storms come up, like that person is not running away, is not exiting the door, is standing beside you because they want to spend the rest of their life with you. Like that is somebody that is enriching to your life. That is what we're looking for. That is what we're seeking because through these connections, we can be authentically ourselves. And we can discover this space where somebody discovers who we are, sees our flaws, sees our imperfections, sees the messiness of our humanity, and still loves us, is still there, is still curious about who we are, is still excited about creating a future with us. That is enriching. That is what we're seeking. That is what we want out of love. That is the very thing that's going to catalyze us to become more of who we want to be in the world, more of who we already know we're capable of becoming. But we just don't have the space. We just don't have the safety to become that, to embrace that, to step into that calling or to reclaim our power or to reclaim our voice. Like having somebody in your life where you feel safe in the knowledge that you are both seen, known, and loved just as you are. Like that is what's actually going to enrich your life. Not somebody that covers your bills or cleans your house. Like at the end of the day, one, you can probably do that yourself. Like I'm a person that is a fabulous cook. I can cook any meal that I want. I can design a home in whatever way I want. I know how to nurture a home. I've been taught as a young child to take care of my laundry, to take care of a house, to take care of my room. Like my mom made sure I knew these things at a very young age. That was painful as a kid, but I don't need, I'm not looking for a partner that cooks and cleans for me. Like I literally can do that shit myself. So again, it's like, how is somebody enriching my life by doing things that I could honestly pay somebody else to do? Like men listening, we have to raise that standard. Like, how is that enriching to you? Yes, again, it provides some sense of support, comfort, and reassurance of safety, or like, she's got my back. But again, it is not the point we're trying to get here is I want to feel enriched through my connections. I want to feel that my connections are meaningful. I can't feel my connections are meaningful if I'm completely boxed into a role and character that I'm playing and then making sure everyone else is also playing their roles. When we stay within the roles, when we stay within this realm of domestication where we're constantly policing one another, demanding each other to abide by these rules, 
subscribe to these narratives, play this role. Like what happens originally, this can be a great foundation for some sense of, you know, purpose and some sense of, uh, I know what I do and I know what I need to provide to bring forward. And that's great. But at a certain point, if we get stuck there, we lose sight of genuine intimacy, how to create that and how to really connect to the person that we're with, not to the character they're playing in our life. So there is a difference between connection and role playing. A lot of people think that, oh, I'm going to create connection through role playing. And when I role play, that is how I create connection. No, that is just performance. If you understand what these roles are doing, they're helping you improve your performance. Your performance of what you call masculine and feminine, what you call men and women, your performance of what you call a wife or a husband. They're enhancing your performance because at the end of the day, it is a performance. Because the way you know what you need to be doing in your role is based off what? A set of rules that have been given to you by somebody else. So there is an invisible choreographer that's telling you what you need to be doing. So it is a performance. So again, if you want to go beyond the performance, even in the bedroom, if you're doing this, this and that, because again, you've been watching this content and you know that this is what creates that to see that point of climax. Again, you're not creating genuine intimacy in that moment with your partner. For women listening as well, if you think that making these specific sounds is how you show up in a way that is exotic, sensual, or powerful, or sexual, or enticing and seductive, like, again, you're just following a checklist. And that checklist was given to you by what? Pornographic content? The woman you heard that had a great experience with her partner? The last guy that told you this is what he wants. Like it is all just performance. None of us are stepping into spaces where we actually face the vulnerability of being authentic, the messiness of discovering what is authentic and genuine for us in a connection, in the bedroom, in a relationship. There is a point of vulnerability there because all, all people struggle with performance anxiety. I work with so many men that tell me like, hey, I feel this way and I feel this way. And I've been in discussions with so many people, so many women that are struggling to understand that they don't have to perform for their partners, that they can just be themselves, that they can just show up authentically. And whether a man likes that or not is not their problem. As long as they showed up authentically is all that matters. So we're all here with performance anxiety. Why? Because we're in a stage, we're in a drama, and in that there's an invisible choreographer. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're trying to step into enriching relationships, part of that is going to require you to go beyond the roles, go beyond the checklist, and actually get curious about what are your needs? What actually enriches you within connection? And nobody is going to know that but you. 
So if you're staying glued to the social apps to discover what that is for you, rather than taking in a deep dive into your body, into how you feel in moments of anxiety or how you feel in deep moments of safety, reassurance, and a feeling, a felt sense of being seen and heard by somebody, if you're not tracking that, you're not taking the time to get to know the innate wisdom of your own body, but instead relying on everyone else to tell you what your body is communicating to you, where your body wants you to take the time to listen and attune to. So the last piece here is, I think that the reason we have come to a stage in our evolution as a collective, as a society, where women are breadwinners. I've said this before on other podcasts, but women are breadwinners. Men are also still breadwinners. This point of our evolution, where this was not happening for our ancestors, this is just wasn't a thing. Like I know plenty, plenty of women that their great-great-grandmothers did not have the privilege and capacity to create financial freedom and security for themselves. They were completely dependent on their husbands. This is a very pivotal point. And part of that point is to help us expand our consciousness. Because when you are in a space collectively where a man believes that his value in a relationship is based on what he gives and provides financially, but then he has a woman that gives and provides that as well and has the capacity to do that. What question is that man going to now have to ask himself? Is what am I now going to bring to the table? What am I defining as masculinity? What am I defining as being a man, being a good husband, being a good partner? From what space am I defining that? Because if my partner does that, then wait. I guess I need to expand my definition of masculinity. I guess I need to expand my definition of provision. I guess I need to expand my definition of protection. Because based on what I'm seeing, my partner and other women being capable of, there there must be something else here that I'm missing. And so this is the point that these experiences are trying to bring us to is to stop the performance stop reducing ourselves to these checklists of chores that we do for one another and get into the heart of what connection is really about and so when we have a group a collective that all have the safety, the comfort, and the privilege to exercise financial freedom, to exercise emotional depth and capacity. Like as a woman, when you are in a position where you're with a man that is emotionally sensitive, that is not a stunted little boy, he can hold his own emotionally, can stand emotionally independent from you, and is not reliant on you to hold him, nurture him, and mother him. You have to ask yourself, 
wait, what the hell am I bringing here then? Because from what I know in all my relationships, men are emotionally stunted. I always have to mother men. And now you don't have to do that anymore. So where are you going to source your value from? You're being questioned. You're, you're exploring the same question he is. He's learning, where am I going to source my value from? If it is not this thing that I thought made me stand out from my partner that my partner couldn't do, right? This is why we love these spaces so much because we believe the other person is incapable of doing that thing that we do. And so when somebody is incapable of doing something that we do, we feel unique, we feel special, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that there is a certain point. We can stay within these roles. There's nothing wrong with them. I personally don't mind them. What I'm saying is that there has to be a point where we go beyond the roles. Because they're only here to create a baseline of safety so that we feel that there's enough conditions and circumstances met for us to start to transcend this. It is just like a meditation practice. If you go into deep states of meditation, you follow a specific set of rules. Maybe it's box breathing, maybe if it's Sufi breathing. There is a certain point within the practice, if you wish to go deeper, where you must abandon the rules. You must abandon the practice itself to discover something much deeper. For anyone that's ever gone into different states of consciousness through meditation, through breathing practices, you know that at a certain point, that rhythm, that pace, that practice that you are following must now be abandoned in order to experiencing something higher, something far more deeper. And again, this is the same in the art world. As an artist, there is a certain point where we follow certain rules of design. And once those rules are established, you must then break the rules. You have to break the rules. Every great artist, every great cinematographer, every great director has broken all of the rules that allowed them to come into the position they're in now. Why? Because that is part of the art form. You have to discover what exists beyond the rules, beyond the checklist, beyond the guidelines. So in connection, if we want to create enriching relationships, sure, if you have requirements of making sure your partner can meet your basic needs, right? Whatever that looks like for you, have a discussion about it. Make sure you attract somebody that you feel has a provider mindset, someone you feel is very excited and curious about taking care of you, right? About nurturing a household, do that. But don't stay there. Don't get stuck there. Don't think that role play is connection. Understand that the enrichment and the level of fulfillment that you seek will not be found in the roles you're playing. They'll be found in discovering something far greater than those roles something that transcends the role itself and invites you to break those rules, invites you to drop the checklist and discover something much deeper in yourself and in the other. That is all 
Thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. I hope you guys found any value in this. And again, if you want to hear more, want me to expand on anything that I talked about here, uh, feel free to just DM me. Um, and if you have any feedback, any input you want to share, uh, DM me, share down below, comment down below. I'm curious to hear what you guys received from this. Uh, and again, wishing you guys a beautiful rest of your day and a beautiful rest of your evening. I'll see you on the next one. Peace.